Ladies and gentlemen, Euclids and Ketters, welcome back to another episode of the Crit Lives Within podcast. I'm your host, Benny Meets, SCP author, junior member of the site Crit team, and first runner-up place in the 2018 Office Chili Cook-Off contest. We're back for another episode, and this time we're actually releasing on schedule. Uh, if you'll note, the date of today's recording is June 30th, which is where I said I hope to be. No small feat for a pile of meats, I assure you. I was actually trucked by a pretty modest case of influenza almost all of the last week, but I turned a corner probably Friday night. Uh, we're almost through the allergy season, too, so things are trending upward for me. That personal news aside, I'd like to thank all of my new listeners who've taken the time to sample the podcast. I know it's not much by comparison to some others with much longer head starts on me, but I eclipsed 50 total listens after the last episode. And according to my metrics, we're actually much closer to 100 now than we are to 50. So sincerely, thank you. It's very cool to see those numbers grow, and I'm um, humbled by the people who take their time to listen to the show. And since my last episode, we're also ready to be carried by iTunes. Uh, The podcast was approved there, and this will be the first full episode immediately uploaded to iTunes as well. The other, uh, the pilot and episode one will be uploaded to iTunes as well, but they're just on a little bit of a backlog. They'll go up alongside this one. So, let's dive on in. As a reminder, this is intended to be a 30-minute show that focuses on a deep dive into a single SCP posted within the last couple of weeks. My selection criteria is a positively rated piece, but it has less than a net plus 30 as of the time of my review. But I'm also looking for a piece that has few comments and hasn't received a lot of critical feedback. I can make exceptions to either of these rules based on the pieces that are particularly interesting or especially controversial, and these are the benefits that come with being able to write the rules. With this in mind, I have selected SCP-4412 for consumption to today. This is titled, What Could Have Been, and this was a co-author by uh, Multiverse and Attila the Pun. I'm familiar with some of the work of Multiverse, but I must admit I'm new to Attila. They have a Series 3 and a Series 4 piece, but this looks to be their first appearance on Series 5. Alright you two, you're on notice that Crit lives within. I'm never going to get tired of going that cheesy. SCP-4412 comes with a single image, sort of a, uh, a knitted handbag. This is something I'd expect to see in my Nan's house, where she'd keep her yarn or her crochet stuff. Or maybe this would fit into style from like the 60s or the 70s. It's got sort of a semi-floral pattern on it, and it's just labeled SCP-4412 underneath the picture. I can also see from the top of the article here, uh, I can see a table that's got test logs. Altogether, the Comprox and the description are both quite short. And most of the articles visible from the same screen, all except for the final addendum. SCP-4412 is safe class, so I'm expecting that this is something we could just set in a corner and leave it alone, and no one's life would be in danger. We'll see if the article redeems that. The Conprox pretty much suggests this. 4412 is stored in a standard locker at Site-76. So this is good right away. We've avoided the classic pitfall of naming specific things good start. Next, we state that personnel involved in testing have to meet with psychologists weekly for at least a month. So here we have a direct hint that something is 
either mind affecting or at the least emotionally hits or changes a subject. No mention of amnestics here, so we're not looking to just wipe the bad, and I can appreciate that. We'll see if this is for a particular reason or not, if they don't need to be amnesticized. Moving on, description time. Like I said, short con procs, they're just two sentences. I'm going to read the next part verbatim because this is our first real stop. Quote, SCP-4412 is a large carpet bag consistent with styles popular in the early 20th century. Despite this, the bag is in remarkably good condition and with little notable wear. End quote. The wording here trips me, and I'm not sure if it's a very clinical choice. Uh, despite this, uh, in particular as a phrase, is close but not quite right. Despite what? Despite the style? Well, you can make something in any style you want at any time. When was this recovered? Do we think it's really old? Have we had this a long time? Vintage style stuff is really big right now, and while a carpet bag is a stretch, I'm sure I could go down to a local boutique clothing place and I could buy some retro or vintage gear that was manufactured within the last year or two. It would look out of place, but it's quote-unquote fresh as the kids say. So we've kind of failed to establish the age in order to say that it isn't wearing out, which is what they're getting at. Uh, we're going to move on. I'm not going to hang up on this line too long. When any person opens 4412, uh, oops, uh, it actually says 4112 right here, not 4412. Uh, I can forgive that, just a simple transposition. This must have been something tweaked because if you just did a copy and replace on the quadruple X like you do in a sandbox and then replace that with 4412 this should have been caught so probably something in edits afterwards anyway happens to the best of us when a person opens 4412 a single object will manifest inside when the bag is closed the object demanifests unless it has been removed no pattern has been observed however subjects quote frequently believe the object retrieved suggests an alternate more ideal outcome to a scenario specific to their history, end quote. It's also kind of chewy, and it's uh, also very direct, perhaps too direct. We might be a little too on the nose with what the author knows about the object's properties there. Uh, I'll come back to this. Let's give the rest a read. We're going to move on down to the test logs that I mentioned, because that's already the end of the description. 4412 Addendum 1 is a table. It's got four columns for subject, object manifested, perceived significance, and notes. We have three subjects. Now, before we get into this, let me just explain that I'm not personally a fan of test log tables. I can count on one hand the number of times an SCP has pulled off a test log grid in a way that has made me feel something for a piece. I understand that this is a personal preference, and I do not fault the authors for trying it. I try to keep my personal bias in mind for the purposes of this show, but you should just know it too as a listener. I want to be fair. Now then, Dr. Stanley Diamond is up to bat first. He pulls out a two-inch binder containing an incomplete set of incidences from 2015. Uh, incidences of what? I'm not completely sure. From what? What's well, also not clear. I'm assuming they're foundation materials. Um... The rest of the table entry for Dr. Diamond suggests maybe their containment issues or security issues. The perceived significance is that Dr. Diamond thinks this book is from a timeline where he stopped SCP Black Box from breaching. 
In prime reality, he apparently failed to do this or was involved in a containment breach of SCP Black Box, and he has lots of facial scars to show for it. This sends Dr. Diamond on a personal adventure through the archives where he combs over relevant materials and confirms that the chances he could have stopped the breach are negligible and near zero. Second up is an agent named Cedric Fourier. Cedric pulled out a gold-banded diamond ring. His fiancée broke it off on him before he joined the Foundation, and he says that this ring is one he would have liked, such as if he had gone through with their engagement. The note here just kind of reiterates what's been shown, that these are from theoretical timelines, or at least the reactions to them suggest they are. The third entry is for a researcher named Kevin Gates, and he pulls out a Samsung smartphone. He sees this, he freaks out, he puts the phone back in the bag, and he closes it, which causes the object to demanifest. He will not comment further. And the notes section for Dr. Gates, or excuse me, for researcher Gates' entry says to see addendum 2. And that's the end of the table. We're going to then move on straight away to addendum 2. So on the whole, this grid kind of leaves me feeling a little nonplussed. We don't have a history with these guys to really care, but this could very well just be set up for the later addendum. I'm assuming it is, given we're immediately transitioning into it. I can live with that if it happens to be the case, but the first entry here with Dr. Diamond feels pretty bland to me, and the testing is kind of shotgun and nonchalant. We have a doctor, an agent, and a researcher all just trying this thing out, and I'm not sure that's a reasonable curiosity, considering that none of these tests actually advance our knowledge of the SCP itself. Sure, they are narrative, but the SCP doesn't change. It continues to be personally relevant thing is yanked, and the story comes from who yanks it. So the fact that we're not starting with a D-class and just checking that stuff out before we go ahead and just involve like a doctor and a researcher um, strikes me a little strange. Maybe your SCP doesn't need to change or evolve as the article goes on, but the way this is presented is a tough sell for investment up to this point. It's redeemable by how easy it is to read. Nothing in the grammar has been a problem and everything to this point is very short. So I'm still green light to go check out the addendum. And as you look at 4412-2, this is like double the length of the rest of the article. This is our big narrative. The forward says that researcher Gates was distressed, so we set up this interview to kind of force the issue. He hasn't been acting himself in the week or two since he was part of that test log, so we need to check out more. Right away, Gates is appealing to the interviewer, who is named Dr. Hart, to not be so formal with him. This is kind of backwards tactic, actually. I would normally expect that the interrogator tries to get the subject to lower their guard, not that the subject is trying to get the interrogator to lower their guard. I think it's fine here, given that they are colleagues, and they appear to have some sort of a informal personal relationship. But ethically, why is the friend doing this interview at all? It doesn't seem very scientific to have a highly biased person try to probe this issue first. Maybe the argument is that this is a personal matter and not an anomaly, so we can do that. But if that's the case, I have trouble with this being a formal, full interview with a log. 
I think an officially informal, um, if such a term can be used, conversation should have taken place somewhere informally. Maybe I'm too in the weeds, so let's just move on. We ask him about the test with 4412, and Gates just simply says, bad memories, nothing more. We say he's been acting weird and what gives, and we tease out that people are wondering if he's fit for duty. Gates jumps to the conclusion that he's being fired, and we correct him and assure him it's nothing so severe, we just need to understand, and he relents and agrees to talk with us. The memories are five years old or so, and they involve his sister, a woman named Diana, who was studying to be an anesthesiologist, but Gates, and I quote, made some poor choices. There's a line here that 12 seconds pass, which I guess is the attempt at making a pause sound formal or clinical, but it doesn't to me. If you want to just show the passage of time like that, you should timestamp the entire article and not just include a number on the line. A brief pause really is very much okay language, and you don't want to get too in your own way with a, a detail here that is out of sync with the level of detail for the rest of the piece. In fact, 12 seconds doesn't matter. It could be 14 seconds. It could be 10 seconds. Um, so don't need to name it. And the fact that there is a pause is all that matters. So let's just skip over this and agree that there's a long pause. Gates then says that he broke up with his boyfriend and wasn't handling it well. He went to the bar, he got trashed, and then he got a call from his sister. She said she needs a ride, and he agrees to do it, but he was drunk. He shouldn't have. The two of them kind of agree to skip the details about what happens from there, and they acknowledge that the sister, Diana, is dead. He was ultimately given the choice in the aftermath of this event to either join the SCP Foundation or go to prison and face the consequences of his crimes legally. He obviously picked the foundation. I do want to say that this article acknowledges a couple lines before here that he was already being targeted by the foundation for recruitment, so this is a very shrewd and appropriate tactic. I approve of depicting the foundation in this way. There's no reason to think that they tiptoe around getting what they want and swooping in when someone is at their low and offering a path forward. Uh, all that falls very much within their MO. You could compare this to something like the GOC, which might work in the opposite way, recruiting someone but then forcing a situation on them that they did not earn and saying, come with us or else. It's a good contrast in the context. Uh, it's not like it's our, this article's responsibility to provide that contrast or context, so I'm just thinking out loud. But all in all, this is a good depiction of how the Foundation can be a shrewd organization that takes advantage of circumstances. Anyway, Dr. Hart doesn't see how this fits into 4412, so he presses the matter. Gates says that the lock screen on the Samsung phone had a missed call from Diana's phone number. He then begins to cry. Gates expositions that a lot of how he's feeling every day and the things about himself he wishes were different or things that he wishes he could have done differently. And the hit there is that there was a universe out there where he did not cause this to happen. 
It hurts because he is being shown that there was another outcome. Without repeating the end verbatim, this is basically where the log and the article ends. So for me, it's a, a slightly missed opportunity here to really leave on the punch by changing the order a little bit. You can have the sobbing exposition about missing her and hating himself, and then you come in and slap with the missed call to connect it back to our main skip, and then part on the sad realization that it was possible she could be alive. Everyone has those if I'd only dot 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 scenarios that they torture themselves with, and that's the thing this article is really trying to tug at. We take a while to get there, but this is a pretty good log. It's more akin to the sort of thing I can imagine two co-workers talking out in their office, you know, with that secret stash of bourbon in the bottom drawer, rather than it is an interview log. You know, the language is more informal and personal. So in that regard, it's well written, but again, I think stylistically a little bit off. There's one line here, uh, Dr. Hart's second to last line, that seems to have omitted a word or two. It says, quote, we don't what could have been different, end quote. I think that's just a simple error, easily fixed. I won't hold anybody's feet to the fire over that. It doesn't make or break the piece. Um, just a little grammatical thing to touch up. Top to bottom, this piece does have pretty well-polished grammar, those one or two mistakes aside. And this addendum shows polish as well, but like I said, we have to accept that we won't be getting our punch until the end and just kind of find your way down here and then get to it. What I might like to see is an addendum accompanying each test case. We have a procedure up at the top that people need psych evaluations. They need to be talking to a psychiatrist or a psychologist regularly to make sure that they're okay after they interact with it. So I think we could have each person talking to a psychologist and sort of opening up a little bit and letting us see some more about what's going on in their head, how this SCP is affecting them, or something a little more developed along those lines. We can get a hold of the regret for a little bit longer. This is a short piece, and it's a little sad. Uh, it's not sad that it's short. I'm saying the tone of the piece is, you know, rather sad. It's an easy read, and it's easy to digest, and it has that sort of lasting relationship to the piece that will touch on a lot of people's lives as they read it. So all these are very good positives going in its favor. But as I said already, it's maybe too short of a journey to really let someone dive in on their own feels. This is definitely not a downvote for me, but I could see myself easily upvoting this article with a few small changes. For now, uh, it's a neutral on my part. That's a zero. And with that now stamped and delivered, we are calling it a wrap on Season 1, Episode 2 of the Crit Lives Within podcast. Thanks again, and this has been your host, Many Meats. Come back sometime around July 15th for our next foray, and look for us on critlives.podbean.com. You can also find us under Spotify using the name Crit Lives Podcast. And look for us on iTunes under that same name. And even better news, you can also snag this on YouTube now. I think we have a whole maybe uh, two views there, but that's better than zero. 
um, I'll create a playlist in the future when I get a couple more episodes up there, so it's a little easier to follow it on there if that's your preferred medium. If you enjoyed the show or you want to give me your thoughts or feedback, or if you did enjoy the show, you can tell me that too. You can look for me on IRC. I hang out in all the typical SCP spaces using the name Many Meets. And you're also welcome to PM me on the wiki using that same name, Many Meets, all one word. Uh, feedback and suggestions are always welcome. On that note, thank you and good night. <laughs>